Section 48 of Essays, Book 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Essays, Book 1 by Michel de Montaigne. Translated by Charles Cotton. Of War Horses or Destriers. I have here become a grammarian, I who never learned any language but by rote, and who do not yet know adjective, conjunction, or ablative. I think I have read that the Romans had a sort of horses by them called funales, or dextrarios, which were either led horses, or horses laid on at several stages, to be taken fresh upon occasion, and thence it is that we call our horses of service destriers and our romances commonly use the phrase of a destrer for a compagnier to accompany. They also called those that were trained in such sort, that running full speed side by side, without bridle or saddle, the Roman gentlemen, armed at all pieces, would shift and throw themselves from one to the other, desultorios equos. The Numidian men-at-arms had always a led horse in one hand, besides that they rode upon, to change in the heat of battle. Quibus disultorum in modum, binos trahebintus equos, inter acerimum saepe pugnam, en recentum equum, ex fesso, aramatis transultare mos erat, tanta velocitas ipsis, tamque docile equorum genus. To whom it was a custom, leading along two horses, often in the hottest fight, to leap armed from a tired horse to a fresh one. So active were the men and the horses so docile. Livy, 23-29. There are many horses trained to help their riders so as to run upon any one that appears with a drawn sword, to fall both with mouth and heels upon any that front or oppose them. But it often happens that they do more harm to their friends than to their enemies and moreover you cannot loose them from their hold to reduce them again into order when they are once engaged and grappled by which means you remain at the mercy of their quarrel it happened very ill to artibius general of the persian army fighting man to man with onesilus king of salamis to be mounted upon a horse trained after this manner it being the occasion of his death the squire of onesilus cleaving the horse down with a scythe betwixt the shoulders as it was reared up upon his master and what the italians report that in the battle of fornova the horse of charles the eighth with kicks and plunges disengaged his master from the enemy that pressed upon him without which he had been slain sounds like a very great chance if it be true Note, in the narrative which philip de comines has given of this battle in which he himself was present, Book 8, Chapter 6, he tells us of wonderful performances by the horse on which the king was mounted. The name of the horse was Savoy, and it was the most beautiful horse he had ever seen. During the battle the king was personally attacked, when he had nobody near him but a valet de chambre, a little fellow and not well armed. The king, says Comines, had the best horse under him in the world, and therefore he stood his ground bravely, till a number of his men, not a great way from him, arrived at the critical minute. End note. The Mamalukes made their boast that they have the most ready horses of any cavalry in the world, that by nature and custom they were taught to know and distinguish the enemy, and to fall foul upon them with mouth and heels, according to a word or sign given 
as also to gather up with their teeth darts and lances scattered upon the field, and present them to their riders, on the word of command. Tis said, both of Caesar and Pompey, that amongst their other excellent qualities they were both very good horsemen, and particularly of Caesar, that in his youth, being mounted on the bare back, without saddle or bridle, he could make the horse run, stop, and turn, and perform all its airs, with his hands behind him. As nature designed to make of this person, and of Alexander, two miracles of military art, so one would say she had done her utmost to arm them after an extraordinary manner, for every one knows that Alexander's horse, Bucephalus, had a head inclining to the shape of a bull, that he would suffer himself to be mounted and governed by none but his master, and that he was so honoured after his death as to have a city erected to his name. Caesar had also one which had four feet like those of a man, his hoofs being divided in the form of fingers, which likewise was not to be ridden by any but Caesar himself, who, after his death, dedicated his statue to the goddess Venus. I do not willingly alight when I am once on horseback, for it is the place where, whether well or sick, I find myself most at ease. Plato recommends it for health, as also Pliny says it is good for the stomach and the joints. Let us go further into this matter, since here we are. We read in Xenophon a law forbidding any one who was master of a horse to travel on foot. Trogus Pompeius and Justin say that the Parthians were wont to perform all offices and ceremonies, not only in war, but also in all affairs, whether public or private, make bargains, confer, entertain, take the air, and all on horseback, and that the greatest distinction betwixt free men and slaves amongst them was that the one rode on horseback, and the other went on foot, an institution of which King Cyrus was the founder. There are several examples in the Roman history, and Suetonius more particularly observes it of Caesar, of captains who, on pressing occasions, commanded their cavalry to alight, both by that means to take from them all hopes of flight, as also for the advantage they hoped in this sort of fight. Quo bad dubie superat Romanus, wherein the Roman does questionless excel. Livy 9.22, says Livy, and so the first thing they did to prevent the mutinies and insurrections of nations of late conquest was to take from them their arms and horses, and therefore it is that we so often meet in Caesar, arma proferi, jumenta produci, obsides dari jubet. He commanded the arms to be produced, the horses brought out, hostages to be given. De bello gallico, 7-2. The Grand Seigneur to this day suffers not a Christian or a Jew to keep a horse of his own throughout his empire. Our ancestors, and especially at the time they had war with the English, in all their greatest engagements and pitched battles, fought for the most part on foot, that they might have nothing but their own force, courage, and constancy to trust to in a quarrel of so great concern as life and honour. You stake, whatever Chrysanthes in Xenophon says to the contrary, your valour and your fortune upon that of your horse. His wounds or death bring your person into the same danger. His fear or fury shall make you reputed rash or cowardly. If he have an ill mouth, or will not answer to the spur, your honour must answer for it. And therefore, 
I do not think it strange that those battles were more firm and furious than those that were fought on horseback. Cadabant pariter, pariterque rubant, victorious victique, neque his fuga nota, neque illis. They fought and fell pell-mell, victors and vanquished, nor was flight thought of by either. Aeneid, 10.756. Their battles were much better disputed. Nowadays there are nothing but routs. Primus clamor atque impetus rem discernet. The first shout and charge decides the business. Livy 25.41. And the means we choose to make use of in so great a hazard should be as much as possible at our own command. Wherefore I should advise to choose weapons of the shortest sort, and such of which we are able to give the best account. A man may repose more confidence in a sword he holds in his hand than a bullet he discharges out of a pistol, wherein there must be a concurrence of several circumstances to make it perform its office, the powder, the stone, and the wheel. If any of which fail, it endangers your fortune. A man himself strikes much surer than the air can direct his blow. Et, quo fere velent, permittere vulnera ventis, ensis habet vires, et gens quaecume virorum est, belagerit gladiis. And so where they choose to carry the arrows, the winds allow the wounds. The sword has strength of arm, and whatever nation of men there is, they wage war with swords. Lucan, 8, 384. But of that weapon I shall speak more fully when I come to compare the arms of the ancients with those of modern use. Only, by the way, the astonishment of the ear abated, which every one grows familiar with in a short time, I look upon it as a weapon of very little execution, and hope we shall one day lay it aside. That missile weapon which the Italians formerly made use of, both with fire and by sling, was much more terrible. They called a certain kind of javelin, armed at the point with an iron three feet long, that it might pierce through and through an armed man, falarica, which they sometimes in the field darted by hand, sometimes from several sorts of engines for the defence of beleaguered places, the shaft being rolled around with flax, wax, rosin, oil, and other combustible matter, took fire in its flight, and lighting upon the body of a man or his target, took away all the use of arms and limbs. And yet, coming to close fight, I should think they would also damage the assailant, and that the camp being as it were planted with these flaming truncheons, would produce a common inconvenience to the whole crowd. Magnum stridens contorta falarica venit, fulminis acta modo. The falarica, launched like lightning, flies through the air with a loud rushing sound. Aeneid 9.705. They had, moreover, other devices which custom made them perfect in, which seem incredible to us who have not seen them, by which they supplied the effects of our powder and shot. They darted their spears with so great force, as oft-times to transfix two targets and two armed men at once, and pin them together. Neither was the effect of their slings less certain of execution, or of shorter carriage. Culling round stones from the beach, for their slings, and with these practising over the waves, so as from a great distance to throw within a very small circuit, they became able not only to wound an enemy in the head, but hit any other part at pleasure. Livy, 38.29. Their pieces of battery had not only the execution, but the thunder of our cannon also. 
ad ictus moenum cum terribli sonitu editos, pavor et trepidatio sepit. At the battery of the walls, performed with a terrible noise, the defenders began to fear and tremble. The Gauls, our kinsmen in Asia, abominated these treacherous missile arms, it being their use to fight with greater bravery hand to hand. They are not so much concerned about large gashes, the bigger and deeper the wound, the more glorious do they esteem the combat, but when they find themselves tormented by some arrowhead or bullet lodged within, but presenting little outward show of wound, transported with shame and anger to perish by so imperceptible a destroyer, they fall to the ground. Livy 38.21 A pretty description of something very like an arquebus shot. The ten thousand Greeks in their long and famous retreat met with a nation who very much galled them with great and strong blows, carrying arrows so long that, taking them up, one might return them back like a dart, and with them pierce a buckler and an armed man through and through. The engines that Dionysius invented at Syracuse to shoot vast massy darts and stones of a prodigious greatness, with so great impetuosity, and at so great a distance, came very near to our modern inventions. But in this discourse of horses and horsemanship, we are not to forget the pleasant posture of one maestre Pierre Paul, a doctor of divinity, upon his mule, whom Monstrelet reports always to have ridden sideways through the streets of Paris like a woman. He says also, elsewhere, that the Gascons had terrible horses, that would wheel in their full speed, which the French, Picards, Flemings, and Brabanters looked upon as a miracle, having never seen the like before, which are his very words. Caesar, speaking of the Swabians, in the charges they made on horseback, says he, quote, they often throw themselves off to fight on foot, having taught their horses not to stir in the meantime from the place, to which they presently run again upon occasion, and according to their custom, nothing is so unmanly and so base as to use saddles or pads, and they despise such as make use of these conveniences, insomuch that, being but a very few in number, they fear not to attack a great many, that which I have formerly wondered at, to see a horse made to perform all his airs with a switch only, and the reins upon his neck, was common with the Messalians, who rid their horses without saddle or bridle. At Gens, quae nudo residens Massilia dorso, or a levi flectit, frenorum nesia virga. The Massalians, mounted on the bare backs of their horses, bridleless, guide them by a mere switch. Lucan 4, 682 et numide in fraine singunt, the Numidians guiding their horses without bridles, Aeneid 441, equi sine fraenis, deformis ipse cursus, rigida service et extento capite serentium, the career of a horse without a bridle is ungraceful, the neck extended stiff, and the nose thrust out, Livy 35-2. King Alfonso, Note, Alfonso the Eleventh, king of Leon and Castile, died 1350, and note, he who first instituted the order of the band or scarf in Spain, amongst other rules of the order, gave them this, that they should never ride mule or mulet, upon penalty of a mark of silver. This I had lately out of Guevara's letters. Whoever gave these the title of the golden epistles had another kind of opinion of them than I have. 
the courtier says that till his time it was a disgrace to a gentleman to ride on one of these creatures but the abyssinians on the contrary the nearer they are to the person of prester john love to be mounted upon large mules for the greatest dignity and grandeur xenophon tells us that the assyrians were fain to keep their horses fettered in the stable they were so fierce and vicious and that it required so much time to loose and harness them that to avoid any disorder this tedious preparation might bring upon them in case of surprise they never sat down in their camp till it was first well fortified with ditches and ramparts his cyrus who was so great a master in all manner of horse service kept his horses to their due work and never suffered them to have anything to eat till first they had earned it by the sweat of some kind of exercise the scythians when in the field and in scarcity of provisions used to let their horses blood which they drank and sustained themselves by that diet venit et apoto sarmata pastus equo the scythian comes who feeds on horse flesh marshal de spectaculus libi epigram three four those of crete being besieged by metellus were in so great necessity for drink that they were fain to quench their thirst with their horses urine to show how much cheaper the turkish armies support themselves than our european forces tis said that besides the soldiers drink nothing but water and eat nothing but rice and salt flesh pulverized of which every one may easily carry about with him a month's provision they know how to feed upon the blood of their horses as well as the muscovite and tartar and salt it for their use these new discovered people of the indies note mexico and yucatan d w and note when the spaniards first landed among them had so great an opinion both of the men and horses that they looked upon the first as gods and the other as animals ennobled above their nature insomuch that after they were subdued coming to the men to sue for peace and pardon and to bring them golden provisions they failed not to offer of the same to the horses with the same kind of harangue to them they had made to the others interpreting their neighing for a language of truce and friendship in the other indies to ride upon an elephant was the first and royal place of honour the second to ride in a coach with four horses the third to ride upon a camel and the last and least honour to be carried or drawn by one horse only some one of our late writers tells us that he has been in countries in those parts where they ride upon oxen with pads stirrups and bridles and very much at their ease quintus fabius maximus rulanius in a battle with the samnites seeing his horse after three or four charges had failed of breaking into the enemy's battalion took this course to make them unbridle all their horses and spur their hardest so that having nothing to check their career they might through weapons and men open the way to his foot who by that means gave them a bloody defeat the same command was given by quintus fulvius flaccus against the celtiberians you will do your business with greater advantage of your horse's strength if you send them unbridled upon the enemy as it is recorded the roman horse to their great glory have often done their bits being taken off they charged through and again back through the enemy's ranks with great slaughter breaking down all their spears same source forty forty the duke of muscovy was anciently obliged to pay this reverence to the tartars 
that when they sent an embassy to him he went out to meet them on foot and presented them with a goblet of mare's milk a beverage of greatest esteem among them and if in drinking a drop fell by chance upon their horse's mane he was bound to lick it off with his tongue the army that bajazet had sent into russia was overwhelmed with so dreadful a tempest of snow that to shelter and preserve themselves from the cold many killed and emboweled their horses to creep into their bellies and enjoy the benefit of that vital heat bajazet after that furious battle wherein he was overthrown by tamerlane was in a hopeful way of securing his own person by the fleetness of an arabian mare he had under him had he not been constrained to let her drink her fill at the ford of a river in his way which rendered her so heavy and indisposed that he was afterwards easily overtaken by those that pursued him they say indeed that to let a horse stale takes him off his mettle but as to drinking i should rather have thought it would refresh him croesus marching his army through certain wastelands near sardis met with an infinite number of serpents which the horses devoured with great appetite and which herodotus says was a prodigy of ominous portent to his affairs we call a horse entire that has his mane and ears so and no other will pass muster the lacedaemonians having defeated the athenians in sicily returning triumphant from the victory into the city of syracuse amongst other insolences caused all the horses they had taken to be shorn and led in triumph alexander fought with a nation called dahas whose discipline it was to march two and two together armed on one horse to the war and being in fight one of them alighted and so they fought on horseback and on foot one after another by turns i do not think that for graceful riding any nation in the world excels the french a good horseman according to our way of speaking seems rather to have respect to the courage of the man than address in riding of all that ever i saw the most knowing in that art who had the best seat and the best method in breaking horses was monsieur de carnavalet who served our king henry the second i have seen a man ride with both his feet upon the saddle take off his saddle and at his return take it up again and replace it riding all the while full speed having galloped over a cap make at it very good shots backwards with his bow take up anything from the ground setting one foot on the ground and the other in the stirrup with twenty other apes tricks which he got his living by there has been seen in my time at constantinople two men upon one horse who in the height of his speed would throw themselves off and into the saddle again by turn and one who bridled and saddled his horse with nothing but his teeth another who betwixt two horses one foot upon one saddle and the other upon another carrying the other man upon his shoulders would ride full career the other standing bolt upright upon and making very good shots with his bow several who would ride full speed with their heels upward and their heads upon the saddle betwixt several scimitars with the points upwards fixed in the harness when i was a boy the prince of Simonia, riding an unbroken horse at naples prone to all sorts of action held reals note a small coin of spain the two sicilies etc and note under his knees and toes as if they had been nailed there to show the firmness of his seat End of section forty eight